What's going on, ladies and gents? Robert Sykes, KetoSavage.com. And today I have special repeat guest, Mike Gorman, on the line. And I had a podcast with him last year. We dove, we dove deep into his story, what brought him to keto, his weight loss journey. He's lost over 300 pounds twice. And that is just an amazing conversation. I highly encourage you to listen to that one if you haven't already. But this podcast, we didn't want to talk about that. We dove deep into his mindset. We, we talked about mindset for both of us. We talked about how to maintain a healthy relationship with food when you're not trying to lose weight, when you're not trying to build muscle. And believe it or not, there's just a ton of parallels because I'm coming out of a contest prep, in which case you know your relationship with food's all skewed. He's lost so much weight several times, so his relationship with food is on the mend as well. And there was just a lot of similarities there. So we dove into that. We talked about how this whole COVID crisis has impacted the keto community, our mindset and outlook towards it going forward, and just just all kinds of good stuff. I really enjoyed the conversation. I've got so much respect for this guy. I know you'll benefit from listening to what he has to say. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy this conversation with Mike. And Mike, we're live. How are you, man? I'm doing good, man. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. It's good to have you back on, brother. Yeah, definitely. I think it's it's kind of uh, serendipitous that we're we're talking the day I think the last time I was on your show actually dropped. So there's there's a nice little symmetry going on. Well, I saw the Instagram post that you'd made from the old podcast, uh, you know, little thumbnail graphic, but I didn't realize it was on the same day. That is funny. Yeah, it's hilarious. Like I I hadn't even hadn't even thought about it or anything along those lines and i was scrolling you know i i hit the archive button on instagram and that was the post that it suggested to me and i'm like really you know fate would have it, man. yeah kind of weird man kind of weird fate would have it so if anybody hadn't listened to that episode definitely do so because i think that we, we talked quite a bit about your background in that one and kind of what got you into keto your weight loss journey and just talk talked about your your history i think more so than anything definitely definitely but with this one, I want to dive into a lot of different facets, but we've, we've talked a little bit just over the phone since we were recorded last time, and since then you had a period where you went through like a like a carnivore trial, so we can, I'd love to get your feedback on that. I'm always curious to hear people's uh, you know, response to how the carnivore diet impacted them. So if you want to just start there, man, we'll just take the gloves off and run with it. Sure, sure. I, I so like the last. I think the last time we talked, I was still kind of working towards you know my weight loss goals and still in that mode, like really in kind of grind hard and, and get to your goals and all of that. And towards the end of last year is kind of when I hit the point that I realized I w- I was happy where I was at and was feeling good and my weight was great and my body could move and it was time to start working on maintenance. And so I set. 2020 is kind of my year to, to master maintenance because that's something that I literally, you know, if anyone goes back and listens, like you can see that I clearly have had trouble with, you know, I'm great at gaining weight. I'm great at losing weight and keeping it off has always been my challenge. So I wanted to explore a lot of different things. And, and one of the big things that came up for me in thinking about that was this idea of, you know, kind of mindful eating where I'm not necessarily tracking every gram of food at the moment or maybe tracking at the end of the day instead of pre-planning every day in the beginning and trying to see how that would work. And I started experimenting, you know, a day or two here or there. And I, I decided, you know, carnivore is something that I actually tried during my weight loss journey. Like I gave it a, I gave it a go and, and never made it more than a couple days mm-hmm. without cracking, 
you know, with, without feeling like I, I, for some reason, you know, needed other things. Like my, my brain would kind of go crazy into that place of, of needing more kind of diversity in the food I was eating. And well, although I know there's, there's a ton of carnivores out there listening who are like right now yelling different cuts of meat and preparations and all of that, you know, at the, at their, their phones listening. But for me, I never really made it past that point. So I decided in February that I was going to take the entire month and, and go carnivore and start to, you know, you hear, you have a lot of friends, you know, we both have a lot of mutual friends that are, are big into carnivore way of eating and they talk about benefits and things they feel and all of that. So I decided I was going to do a month of, of untracked carnivore. Like I knew where my, I needed my calories to be. And I kind of knew approximately how much food that would equate to, but I really wanted to get in touch with that idea of mindfully approaching hunger Mm-hmm. And not eat, not eating because I had planned it and not eating because it was what I was, quote unquote, supposed to do. But approaching food from that place of I'm hungry now. So let me, you know, I'm hungry now. Let me eat. and following, you know, the, the stricter side of carnivore. You know, I went I decided to do it dairy free um, to because why why not when you're challenging challenging yourself, go all the way. Um, I decided I think at first I thought I would do like a week dairy free. And then I think um it might have been Miles or or Jonathan who was like, "Well, why are you putting limits on that? Like, why don't you why don't you kind of go full bore and see what you know, see what happens if you, you extend it?" So I decided to take the whole month and go dairy free and uh, was was eating meat and you know basically just eating meat with some seasoning and you know animal fats and still obviously you know with that eye towards towards more you know higher fat consumption because that's where when my body lives in that place, I feel better. And so I, I, I started out on that and, and I knew the first couple of days were going to go great. Cause I think anytime you try something new, the first couple of days are always amazing, you mm-hmm. know, cause you get that adrenaline rush going and you're pushing yourself and you're ready to do it and you're gung ho and you've been posting about it and, you know, making graphics and wearing t-shirts and everything you can do to, to get yourself psyched up. <laughs> totally. <laughs> and, you know, and so I knew like that first, you know, five or six days. And that was really the longest I had gone before was like five or six days. So when I hit that point, I was like, okay, let's, let's see if I can keep this going. And the thing that I realized was I, I was handling, it, it was, it honestly was really helping me with that idea of, of mind, of mindful eating, you know, not to keep throwing those words out there again, but I was able to kind of really respond to hunger and naturally kind of get into this place of portion that was was satisfying me and like that was that was the part that was going really great and you know that kind of spurred me to keep going like i I felt really good about you know how that was going and i was you know to to keep kind of a check and balance in place you know while i wasn't weighing and measuring my food i was weighing and measuring myself as i was doing it Mm -hmm. you know to keep an eye on on my weight and see you know if there were fluctuations and things along those lines and i was seeing good results and what I wanted to see and seeing the, the, the scale stay relatively steady and, you know, all was good. And as I got deeper into it, you know, you start to have those places where, you know, the fam- familiarity of food and the, and the things you're quote unquote missing start to kind of build up in your head. And w- what really started happening for me was it went just from like a wistfulness, like, you know, a, a passing feeling of missing something to almost anxiety, like, anxiety over food was starting to get really kind of high. And I was starting to see that, you know, kind of in how I was interacting with people in my day-to-day work and things along those lines. Like I was starting to see for some reason, like this was starting to turn into another form of like a food obsession for me. Like I was starting to get like, not just obsessed with when it would end, but obsessed with, you know, what I was doing on a daily basis. And 
it was taking me out of that mindful place that I was working to get into. So going through it, it, it was just really, it was fascinating to me to see that kind of, that level rise, you know, that, that, that side of it, because you talk to a lot of people that, that go carnivore and they talk about, you know, mental clarity and a lot of those great kind of like mental focus effects and how they feel and, and all of that. And I, was was not feeling any of that kind of on that side like i was more feeling like like i said anxious and getting that kind of those hackles raising and feeling like i don't you know i wish i wish i had better words to describe and it's funny because when i when i was doing it people kept you know ask wanting me to talk about what it was like and what i went through and i kept saying i'll, I'll talk about it eventually when i feel like i've really processed it well because i don't want it just to be to sound like i'm like a petulant child saying I miss diversity in my food. And, and so I, this is why I, you know, it wasn't something that worked out long-term for me. Like I wanted to really kind of give thought to like, what, what was my purpose for doing it and for being so strict? And, you know, was it something that, you know, I needed to do? And it, so it raised some really good questions for me in the end, like in terms of how I was thinking about food and what I wanted to approach for food and, you know, did it make a difference? Because really like something, you know, you're familiar with, like, I was following obviously a very low total carb ketogenic lifestyle. So when you're eating, you know, 10 to 15 total carbs, some days, 20 total carbs to take those away, you're talking about what a, a difference of, of 40 to 80 calories. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not like a majority of my diet was carbohydrate and I went carnivore. Like I didn't go from standard American diet to carnivore, you know, I was probably in that 10 to 15 total carb range when I went, went in there. And I just realized for me, I didn't, I was having some good, you know, effects on the side of that mindful piece, but in terms of physical changes and energy and performance and, and anything along those lines, I really, I, I, I wasn't seeing a benefit. I wasn't seeing a benefit. So it started to come down for me weighing the benefit of having access to things that I really, you know, enjoy as fuel for my body and, and don't see as detrimental, like having vegetables occasionally. And I'm a huge, like, it, it's funny, like if people ask, you know, like what food on, on the ketogenic diet can you not live without? Like for me, it was coming down to like um, the ho homemade mayo that I make with avocado oil, like mm -hmm. was just something that and it, it's weird to be like most people, I think, say steak or bacon or eggs along those lines. And for me, I was just having this place of, you know, wow, this chuck roast is really good. But if I had a little bit of that spicy mayo that I make, this would be really great. You know, and I, I got to this point where I, I put it all in the context of the goals for what I was working out for the year. This idea that I was trying to build a, a mindful, sustainable lifestyle where I'm living and mastering maintenance, you know, in terms of not not chasing a, a goal where it's to lose a certain amount of weight or gain a certain amount of weight or get on a stage or anything along those lines. Like I'm working on how my life and how I interact with food. And I realized that for me personally, taking it to that place of removing all of those things from what I was eating, wasn't giving me benefits that, that I saw outweighed the benefit I had of having that more diverse plate in front of me that, that it wasn't necessarily, I, I don't really think it's like, okay, you ran back to comfort. Like I, I ran back to things that I knew worked for me and I knew that my body feel good eating, you know, my body feels good eating and I could perform well at the gym and things along those lines. So I, I made the decision at the end of the month that it was time to kind of step back, you know, from what I was doing and go back to um, eating carnivore. And I still have days where, you know, I'm full, I'm full blown carnivore. You know, there's days where, 
you know, I'll, some days now I'll eat 20 to 25 total grams of carbs. Like it depends on what I'm planning and what I'm thinking about and what I want to take in. And I, you know, I, I start to see, I've started to really see food as choices and not just prescription. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's that idea that food is fuel that you can enjoy. And I, I think that's one of the big lessons that I've been trying to take away from everything that I've been through is like, not, I don't have to be in that camp where every, I know exactly why every gram of food that goes into my body has a purpose of, of fueling the machine, but I'm also not seeing food as entertainment anymore and seeing food as the focus of socializing and things along those lines. Like I feel like I, what I'm working on now is where I meet in the middle and where I'm still fueling my body properly and I feel great and I'm making choices, you know, for my health. But I'm also to say, I'm also able to say, you know what, I really want a salad today. So I'm really going to enjoy a salad. And tomorrow, maybe I just want steak and eggs. So tomorrow I'm going to have steak and eggs. And, you know, two days ago, what I really wanted, you know, more than anything else, because I hadn't had one in about a week or two, was I wanted a peanut butter keto brick. So I planned a day where I, you know, <laughs> I love I'm, the, I'm the, it's the number one for me. I know it's, it's the number one for a lot of people. I know it might not be for everyone, but, you know, I know we've got some friends that would come at me about mocha, but, you know, I, I, I can say, you know, these are the, I can make these choices so that I, I'm feeling like I'm living something that is a life that I could live forever, if that makes any sense. And that was, I think, a lesson that came out of that month was I realized that I don't necessarily need to keep jumping into different challenges where I'm depriving myself of something to see what happens. Like I can I can actually do what I said I was going to do this year. And that's actually work on trying to figure out where is my home base? Like, where do I live comfortably and healthily? And then if there are different times where I want to try different things and do different things, I can I can do that. You know, I have that freedom like I'm not chasing something. So I can say, well, this week I might try this or maybe I do want to try this or someone reaches out to me and says, we would love for you to try this product. Do you want to try it? Like and I can make a mindful decision about whether I think I can control it or not and think about, you know, is it going to be something that's made up of ingredients that I really want to try and like all of that and put it put a lot of things into perspective for me. Totally, man. Like I, I think there's this this dichotomy that exists with whatever your nutritional protocol is of, you know, how far can you comfortably take it? Like how close you need to, you know, keep it dialed in. Like there's just this constant yin and yang, and you know, people will say that the ketogenic diet is not sustainable, and I would argue that all day and night because there's so many people, like myself included, to you that have been on the diet for for years now with no intentions mm-hmm. of turning back. Um, I think the the thought that you can't live without your you know bland potato is just just asinine but i can definitely see how it would be hard for certain people to stick and adhere to a strict carnivorous diet indefinitely um i mean there's a lot of people that benefit immensely from it i feel like it's great oh. for people with autoimmune or digestive issues i honestly tend to gravitate more towards like a carnivoresque approach myself but i like knowing that with me personally I'm able to incorporate a little bit of variety when I want and not feel guilty for it. Like when you look at, you know, what food you're consuming, if you're not seeing any adverse effects from, you know, some nut butters here and there, or some heavy cream in your coffee or an occasional salad, then I don't feel like you should feel guilty for having those things because it's right. not really bad things in the grand scheme of the world. Oh, and I think it's it's one of those things where I think, especially when you've been at this for a long time, like when you've been living a ketogenic lifestyle or following a specific way of eating for a long time, you do get into that place where the dogma takes over in your head. So it's almost like you start to look at those, those things, you know, that occasional heavy cream in the coffee or the salad or things along those lines 
as if you were back where you were three years, you know, where I was three years before ordering six Big Macs and three large fries. Like, there's clearly a difference there. Like, if what I'm really craving is, you know, some roasted broccoli, that's different than me craving, you know, a roll of cookie dough and a half gallon of ice cream. Like, there's there's yeah. a, a wide disparity there. And so when you get into beating yourself up over that is when you run into problems. And I think you're also hit on something that is really important for people to realize, too, like, one of the things I think that makes the ketogenic lifestyle really sustainable for people is that there isn't just one way to do it. There isn't just one path. There isn't just one meal plan. There isn't just one plate for every person to put in front of themselves. Like you can figure out for yourself what is the sustainable way of doing it. Like you define what that is. Like, and there are people out there, you know, friends we have that, you know, eat specific ways because they're treating medical conditions and things along those lines. And that's important. You know, if, if your medical condition says you should eat a certain way, I think you should completely do that and don't worry about anything else going on. But if you're able to find a way to incorporate the principles into your life, yet still feel like it's something you can do every day for the rest of your life, then that's a win. That's definitely a win. Like I, I, I had a family, you know, in the middle of all this this mad this quarantine and covid madness at a family barbecue last weekend with some people getting together outside at my parents house and one of um my 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 stepmother's sister-in-law she for some reason somehow we ended up sitting at the table together without anyone else around and one she made she had made an assumption that i had stomach stapling surgery uh was her words uh which was fun she's nice. like so you had you so you had the stomach stapling i'm like no i didn't <laughs> oh, well, then what did, how did you do it? Cause you can't do it without that. I'm like, well, no, I changed how I was eating. You know, I changed how I eat. I changed my approach to food. And she's like, oh, so you eat weird food now. And I'm like, no, I, I eat the food that I want to eat. And then she just went off on this tangent of, because I was eating, um, I actually had ordered some smoked sausage from a barbecue, a barbecue place in Texas to be delivered that, you know, I have a couple packages in my freezer and I bring one out every so often. And I'm sitting there eating this, you know, fantastic sausage. It's probably one of the best I've ever had in my life. Pre, post, after, you know, during, before keto, any of that. And she's looking at it because it's it's this sad, sorry plate because I'm missing rolls. You know, there's no bun on the plate. Mm -hmm. And she's like, so you're, you're going to live without a bun for the rest of your life? And I'm like, well, yeah. Like, I, and I, I think for me, that's. And I, I think I've said this before. I don't think I said this to you the last time we talked, but you know, it's when someone says like, so you're, you're saying you're going to be keto forever. Does that mean you're never going to have cake again? You're never going to have this again, you know, fill in whatever that person's favorite food is that they're worried about giving up. And they're going to ask you if you'll live without that forever. And I, I think that for me, the big thing is the reality is I have to wake up every day and think and believe that I can live forever without that piece of cake, or I can live forever without that that role and still thrive and be happy. And does it mean at some point I may eat something that doesn't necessarily fit exactly into the ketogenic box? There's going to be times where that, that happens. I can tell you that for me, but I still am, am happy and thriving knowing that if that never happened, I would still be, be a happy, healthy person, you know, and I still would be meeting the goals that I have for myself. And I still would be driving myself forward. And I still feel a thousand times better every day than I did three years ago. Like, I think it's that belief in the sustainability of your program that also really helps you make it something that you can live with. Totally agree, man. Did you, did you happen to read my Instagram post yesterday? I don't think I did. I don't it, think I did. Well, it, it was basically just a, a post of what I ate uh, the day of my competition uh, 
conclusion, like that photo shoot. And it was like this chaffle that I made and had all kinds of, you know, keto friendly toppings. But I dove into like the mindset of simply making decisions in life that you don't have to beat yourself up internally about like doing the right thing, even if it's, uh, I mean, like, I don't, I don't regret not having a traditional waffle with flour and syrup, you know, like I don't miss that. Mm -hmm. You make things that you know to be moving the needle in the right direction and then you don't have to apologize to yourself or others for not doing those those adverse things. Like everything that I do in life, like the, the most nutritionally dense ketogenic food is probably not a chaffle, but I can eat it and not feel bad for it. And that is huge. Like doing things that you know to be right is simply doing things that you know to be right. And then you don't have to, you know, just constantly be in this battle of emotions and like have this negative self-talk, negative feedback loop that just keeps driving you deeper and deeper down. Oh, I agree. And and I think if someone out there is listening and their their first thought is, well, I could never eat, you know, I, I don't eat X, Y, and Z on my ketogenic diet, or I don't use that product, or I don't, I would never have a chaffle, you know, with whatever, you know, toppings you could think of on it. Like, I think you have to be okay with what you're doing and let someone else be okay with what they're doing. And there's a freedom to that where you're not always projecting onto someone else what you're doing for yourself. And you're not always, and, and yes, it can get frustrating, especially if you're, it's, you're trying to support someone who is maybe on a weight loss journey and you're seeing them load up on ketogenic treats. And then when the latest thing comes out, they're ordering a case of them and you're like, okay, you know, there's some food relationship issues going on there, but I, I still think it's this idea of being okay with what you're doing and and feeling great about that and it's freeing to to not allow other people to kind of get into the equation in your own head um the the thing that comes up for me with it is um when you're really thinking about what what you do and and the choices you're making if there are things that you can't you don't eat you choose not to eat like for me there what i've learned is like because one of our you know keto mary on instagram uh, mary she We'll talk a lot about, you know, especially when it, in relation to food addiction, was someone being an abstainer or a moderator? Mm -hmm. And are you an abstainer or a moderator? And I think that concept is really fascinating and also applicable, not just on a macroscopic, you know, on a macro level, but on a microscopic level when it comes to your food choices. Like, I think one of the things that I've learned is that there are some foods that I can moderate and there are some foods I still need to abstain from mm -hmm. within the keto sphere, like not outside of it, but within, you know, ketogenic approved foods. Like there are some things that I can be perfectly great with, you know, perfectly fine with control and all of those things and my feelings about them. And then there are some foods where I know it's like a, bringing a powder keg into the house if I'm going to bring that in and being okay with that for yourself and knowing that you have a, lo a list of things that you're good with and a list of things that you're not great with and, experimenting and challenging yourself like is all just a big part of the learning process totally man totally and <laughs> just to be clear that that definition of ketogenic friendly you know within the keto sphere that, <laughs> that line's kind of becoming more and more blurred it seems oh for sure but well, I, I totally mean, agree man yeah i mean like let's let's be realistic there's there's so many things now that just have the label keto on them that people are, are not really turning the label around to see what's on the back of it you mm -hmm. know that's that's like my biggest piece of advice. Like when you, when someone sends me a picture of something and says, is this keto? You know, it's almost like you want to have every response is always, well, are you okay with what's in it and what, with what the, the macronutrient profile is of it and what the ingredients are and you know how you're going to feel when you eat it. And then just even 
mentally is that a food you should be you know playing with like in terms of you know where your relationship is at at that moment like i people need to look a little bit deeper than just you know the packaging totally agree it's funny man because you and i have come from very different backgrounds as it relates to you know a compositional journey but when you look at what we're doing like right now in this time like this instant uh, and like finding a good healthy relationship with food it's like we're we're on the same course like I just came out of this contest prep I'm in a reverse diet now and like you know hormones are in a state of flux like everything's just mm. crazy different coming out of a contest prep and like your hunger hormones leptin ghrelin they're all just out of whack and oh, yeah. from from your perspective like going up and down so drastically like you're trying to figure out the right mental approach to how you view food, how you think of food and your relationship with it. So it's it's funny because we are we're on the same journey right now almost. Oh yeah. Wait, you you were never five hundred pounds, Robert? No, not not quite that heavy. I did get pretty heavy for five <laughs> seven though. I was two thirty, which was <laughs> I was a beefcake, man. Well, there you go. I, uh, it, it's you, now there's going to be people out there listening that hear you say that two thirty was beefcake, and they're going to be like, I, I want to, I want to crush the tiny man. I want to crush the <laughs> tiny man for. But I, again, like you're saying, like that's that's that perspective, and it, it is. It's it's so interesting to me, like when you have that discussion with someone who clearly is coming from a different place, and their journey is completely different in terms of what the, the challenges they face and what they've had to go through. Yet, in a lot of ways, we can end up finding those moments of of commonality because I think there is, as human beings, like there's something about food that brings us together in good ways and in bad ways, you know, and in, in a lot of different a lot of different you know circumstances. Yeah, it's funny because I've talked about this before in prior episodes, but like with food, it it definitely can become an addiction. But unlike you know drinking or smoking or drugs, which is obviously something that's not good in any form or fashion. And you should just cut out of your lifestyle. You know, you can't exactly just cut out food. Like, you kind of have to have it. So developing right. a healthy relationship with it is of paramount importance. But there's there's no there's no rule book. There's no handbook as to how you as an individual can come to grips with how you eat food. And someone that's never really gone through an extreme, they're probably listening to this like, what are they even talking about? Like, some people just get it naturally. There's no, there's no disconnect there at all. Whereas if you've been on any experience, in extreme, whether you're super, super lean, super, super heavy, you know, th- when you go to an extreme and food is one of the main levers that you manipulate to get to that extreme, your relationship with food is going to be much, much deeper than the lay person. Oh, for sure. And the funny thing is, whenever, you know, I, I talk about what my life was like when I when I was 540 pounds, you know, and what my food life was like at that point, you know, which terrifies children many days when I talk about it but when someone will say to me you know I'm really happy to hear your story but I I just can't relate to that my response is always that's good it's good that you can't relate to that it's good that you're not finding a resonance point you know to hear someone talk about you know being you know over 500 pounds and and severely addicted to food and, and circling their life around food every day like it's good that's not that's not something that you can relate to but there might be other things where, you know, you can figure that out. But I think that is true. Like, it's it's funny when the people like I, I think back to my Instagram, you know, when I first when I was first on Instagram before I was trying to lose weight and the when it was much more of me, you know, putting my my quote unquote fat life, big fat life on display and kind of preaching, you know, I'm happy. Leave me alone as as my message. Like the people that I would talk to the most about food 
uh, were bodybuilders. Mm-hmm. Like the, the people that understood the most when I would talk about cravings and crazy meals and things along those lines were like people in that traditional fitness sphere. So it's, it's funny that a lot of them, you know, are, I'm still connected with and still, you know, they still follow my journey and see where I've been, you know, where I've come through. And it's like, it, it's amazing sometimes where you would look and you, I mean, you'd look at someone who's stage ready for a bodybuilding show standing next to, you know, a 5'10", 540 pound guy with an 84 inch waist. And you would think there's massive worlds between them. But then you, you dive into our DMs and realize that we're on the same wavelength with a lot of things because we're dealing with a lot of the same challenges and a lot of the same you know, obsessions and all of those things. So it, it's kind of amazing when, when you see that commonality come to the surface. All right. So on that note, man, I kind of want to dive into, you know, selfishly speaking for my own benefit, what, what techniques you've learned, what practices you've implemented here in 2020 being the year that you kind of learn how to have a healthy relationship with food, like what has worked really well, what hasn't worked, how can I benefit from this coming out of a contest prep? How can other people listening benefit from this that are struggling with relationship with food? Like just kind of, Talk to me about what you found to be beneficial, man. Sure. I, I, I think big picture, the, the first thing that I really learned is that, one, maintenance takes as much work as weight loss. It takes as much work mm-hmm. uh, or weight gain or whatever it is. You're, whatever you're, when you had a moving goal, you know, the, the stationary goal takes as much effort. It's just that the challenges uh, shift a little bit and they, they can become different. Uh, and I think a big thing that I've learned to help me keep going in that is to continue to identify goals that are just as strong, you know, continue to identify, whereas before my goals were focused around physical activity and uh, my actual weight, like now my goals can be more, again, focused around physical activity, because I think that's an important part of a person's life, a healthy person's life. But having goals that focus around wanting to work on a a mindful relationship with food and thinking about how I want to approach it and not being afraid to use the tools that I already have, I I think has been a big thing. Like you, there's this expectation that when you step into this place of, of maintenance, that everything is going to be perfectly fine and solved. And there's never going to be any of those old challenges and you've closed the book on them and your relationship with food is healed and everything's perfect. And I think what I've realized is, it's okay for me to know there are times where I can just approach food as something where I'm mindfully eating according to hunger. And then there are times where I need to go back to planning and tracking, you know, because I feel like I, maybe I challenged myself or, or let the reins up a little too, too much or look at, you know, in the, the example of the time that we're in right now with the quarantine and COVID issues, I had a lot of things personally happen during this time in terms of affecting my income and my home location and my family. And, you know, letting those pressures and anxieties build up. And that brings up a lot of the the same old food issues. And knowing that I have the skills and the tools already as as rote, you know, as able for me to just pull them out and use them again, is something I think was important. Like I didn't have to become this entirely new person moving into this, this stage of my journey. It's able, I'm able to just transfer what I've been doing already, use the things that I need to use when it's time. And then also, I, I think for me, a big part of it has been not being afraid to take a loss, not being afraid to say, okay, I am going to take a day where I go out to eat with my family or I go to this place or I do X, Y, and Z. And then maybe at the end of the day, I'll sit down and look at how I did. Or maybe I won't even, maybe I'll just keep looking at, you know, what my, my weigh-ins when I do those and see how things are going. Like looking to shift the metrics away from an exact place of measuring and trying some other things and and not being afraid to try and see what will work 
And then also, and I think this is the bigger part of it, being willing to admit, okay, maybe I wasn't ready for that level of challenge. Maybe that's something I need to work myself up towards. Maybe I, I should be a little more methodical in what I'm doing instead of just throwing throwing the, the rule book out the window right away. So I think knowing, working on building that relationship with yourself and being conscious of your, how your relationship with food is being affected by the new challenges you're putting in front of yourself is really important. And being able to define for yourself what is okay, what isn't okay, and keeping that accountability in place so that you don't allow yourself to kind of disappear down a road that you're not ready to go down with and you know find out that you're at a place where now the work to get back up to the main road is is going to be even harder than it was before like staying conscious and staying in that place of focusing on your mindset is is just really important and knowing that it's okay to, to vary those goals and change them and realize that maybe one that you set isn't the one that is going to be the, the best one to carry you through so you can redefine it and you can redefine things for yourselves and I think for a lot of us, especially if you're someone who's like been in that place of weight loss for a long time, I know, and this is almost like a small example, but I think it plays into something bigger. Like I had this propensity to want to jump into challenges, you know, 30, 30 days of this or 60 days of this, or I'm going to do this for a week, or I'm going to join on to this challenge. And I think when you're, when you're working towards a weight loss goal and trying to build that that side of your of your life and reach those goals a lot of those things can be really helpful because they bring you into contact with other people who are working towards the same goal and they help you move forward and it helps push you a little bit when you need some pushing and then i think you you realize you have to get to a place where challenges and things along those lines can't become as important because really the focus needs to be on what is your life going to look like for the next 365 days like what is your life going to look like and maybe there's some that sound like fun and maybe you'll do it or maybe you won't but that obsession, that obsessive need to always have something in place to help you stay on track, you have to be willing to allow yourself to realize that you're building a new reality for yourself. And you're the one that's going to set those boundaries. And you're the one that's going to define what's a good day and what's a bad day. And you don't have to define it by someone else's challenge. And that's a scary place to be like, that's a scary place to live. Because when you don't necessarily 100% trust yourself, how do you trust that you're setting the right boundaries? How do you trust that you've put the right rules in place and you know the right thing to do at the right time? Like you have to be willing to take a leap of faith with yourself. And I think that's been one of my big lessons this year is like realizing that I can let go of some of the obsession and, and lean a little more into listening to the actual stronger voices that I've built up inside of myself. That's incredibly insightful. And there's like, there's, there's so many parallels of what you just said what I'm going through right now and a lot of it's not even related to diet nutrition like I, I've got a couple business decisions that are that are looming right now and I don't know like the 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 right and wrong answer is not as clearly mm -hmm. defined and I feel like there's there's so many instances in life where you know what is right and you know what is wrong and then if you have any degree of integrity you can just act upon what's right but there's so many other areas where it's not as clearly defined. It's not as it's not a, a simple you know line in the sand. That's like do this and don't do that. Like you really just have to trust your gut and accept the outcome, whether it is the positive outcome or a negative outcome. It was meant right. with positive intentions, and if you can go to sleep knowing that, then you just have to be accepting of the outcome and then make the most of whatever that results in. And I feel like that can be you know that transcends into so many different areas of life but i like the way it, it can be used as a form of embracing you know whatever challenges you're doing um as it relates to like you know fitness and nutrition like 
knowing and accepting that is going to empower you to make this much more sustainable long term. Uh, for, and, and that's a big part of that idea of empowering yourself to make choices. Mm-hmm. Like the, the phrase that I'm sure you hear a lot from people, especially, you know, in the coaching that you do, you know, is when someone asks you, like, when is it OK to have a cheat meal? When can I have a cheat meal? Like, when's my next when is it OK to cheat? And I, I've just been saying a lot lately, like, take that word out of your vocabulary. Yeah, because it's almost like cheat, when you give yourself a, a quote unquote cheat day or a cheat meal, you're you're abdicating responsibility for that time period you're giving up your power, like you're giving your power to whatever food choices, you know, that you're just going to make willy nilly during that time. Instead of thinking about, I want to make a choice to eat this food. And I know what the consequence of this food is going to be. And am I willing to accept that consequence? And I think there are times in our lives where someone is going to say, you know what, I'm at, you know, I'm at my daughter's wedding. And there's a wedding cake here. And I've been 100% keto for 12 months. But I'm going to have a piece of cake at my daughter's wedding, I'm going to make that choice. And you know, the next day, you're probably going to have some stomach discomfort and maybe a little bit of bloating, and you're going to feel some after effects of that. But you make that choice mindfully. You make that choice knowing that you're the person who's in control. So then when you go to bed at night, you don't wake up the next day beating yourself up and feeling bad about something you made you made the choice to do, or you you feel like you've, you've betrayed yourself. You know, make if you make every choice, you know, from that place of power, then the consequences are always going to be something that you can handle because you're not going to have the added consequence of the personal, the beating up, the, the shaming of yourself, you know, all of those things. And like, I I think, you know, I've said to people, like when they say to me, like, when can I have a cheat day? Like, talk to me about why you want that. Like, what is that really about? And a lot of times people don't want to face that side of the discussion. They want to just be able to have the treat food or whatever it is. And, and, you know, whether they can move forward or not, they, they do that, but they don't want to, you know, explore why all of a sudden, you know, three days into your new weight loss program, your new way of eating, are you already thinking about going off? Like, why are you thinking about changing something that you haven't even given a chance to help you yet? Like, where does that come from? And I think asking yourself those big questions is really an important part of this next step of the journey. Like, especially for me, like I, I was having a discussion with a friend once and he said, okay, you know, you've lost the weight. So now the, the question you need to answer is, why did you gain the weight in the first place? Because if, if I don't ask myself those questions, I can repeat those patterns and I can repeat those behaviors and fall back down those same places. You know, I have to be able to ask those questions that when you're fi- like, let's be realistic, when you're 500 pounds and you're facing the fact that you might not wake up the next day, there are more important things for you to focus on than the philosophical reasons why you were 500 pounds in the first place. Mm-hmm. You need to focus on making sure that your health is taken care of and that you're eating the food that's going to help you live the next day. Like you have, we all have like our, our priorities ranked, but when you reach a place where your health is under more control and your, your life is, is becoming more, I mean, nothing's guaranteed to any of us. I know that, but when you're more likely statistically to survive is when you can start asking those deeper questions about why do I think I did that in the first place? Like, what do I think brought me there? And I know for me, that's been such a huge, you know, revelation. Like there's even just some things, you know, there was another podcast I was being interviewed on a couple of weeks ago. And like in the middle of that discussion, I had like this mental moment where like it was almost like a dam broke. And I had this huge realization that I, I think I communicated well on that podcast. But afterwards, I knew I called someone and I was like, wow, you know, I just really had this incredible moment that I had never thought about in my life before that changed my relationship for food with food forever. And I was 10 years old. Like it was incredible to kind of go back into, you know, that, that place and be able to examine that from a place of power instead of just from a place of having to run from it. So I would survive. Yeah. That, that's, that's interesting 
it's interesting, man, because there's there's so much. I feel like most people, especially in this day and age, there's just so much distraction, so much chaos going on that it's it's very difficult for us to be alone with our thoughts and understand mm. why it is we're doing what we're doing, what decisions we're making, and why. And I, I get really reflective whenever I'm in a contest prep and I'm in a deficit. And every single day after my training session, I'd go for a run. And then every time after that run, I'd sit and I'd just meditate and just mm. think about my thoughts and, and ask, you know, what is my why and why am I making the sacrifice in the first place? Like, what am I hoping to prove? What what am I going to gain from this from a mental fortitude standpoint? And when you start asking these questions and you you really pry into your thoughts, it it's amazing what you can find, man. It doesn't take any time. Nobody's nobody's forcing you to do it. It's free, but mm-hmm. it's just so incredibly insightful, man. So I can only imagine, like, when you're going back into your memory banks as to what led you to be 540 pounds in the first place, like, I'm sure you learn so much more about who you are as a person that you never even took the time to think about before. Oh, for sure. And like, it just, like you said, like it's those moments, like there's no, because now there's, there's no pressure on me to, to do anything. Like now this, that time that I take to reflect and that time I take to explore these bigger questions is, is something I'm doing for myself to help myself. And, mm-hmm. and there, there's, there's power in that self exploration. Like when you really can start to say, I know the answer to that question. And, and I think the reality is a lot of times we don't, we can't find those answers right away. Like they don't come overnight. It is something that takes like, like I think that idea of we're, we're great at building repetition into our workouts and we're great at building repetition into our food. You know, we can follow a plan consistency. We can follow a workout plan consistently. And I think it's building that, that other side of your routine so that you are doing things like meditating and journaling and asking those questions and answering those questions on a repetitive basis allows you it to then become like the muscle builds up and it becomes easier. Like when I have discussions with someone about like trying to help them figure out what their why is, because I have a, I feel like I have a great grasp on like my why, why my journey started and why it continues. Like that's just really important to me. And, you know, usually I think the first response, especially when you talk to someone who has a lot of weight to lose, like their, their first why is they want to lose weight. And I'm like, yeah, but what does losing weight mean to you? Why do you want to lose weight? Like, keep asking why until you have that moment where the light goes on. And you're like, wow, I haven't even really thought about that. And I think it's almost like, in a lot of ways, it's almost like a theater training exercise, you know, where you're just doing this, like, rote piece where you're you're asking yourself the question why over and over again. Like, I think that almost would be a great app if, if the yeah. there was an app that just asked the question why, you wrote an answer, and then it would just say, but why? But why? But why? Like... I, I, I want to lose weight because I want to fit into better clothes. But why? You know, why are clo- why is that important? Because when you get to the root, there's something there that's really powerful and really helps you through those moments where seeing a number change on the scale or seeing a piece of clothes fit better is not going to motivate you. There are going to be days where you don't care about that. Like, and I, I say that as someone who has had those moments where I'm like, eh, it's okay. I have a bigger shirt. Like, it doesn't matter. Like those things sometimes aren't strong enough to carry you through the real battle that you need to fight. And I mean that, like, I, I think there's a difference between someone who just had, you know, poor education about nutrition and portion control and gained some weight. And sometimes that's a lot of weight and sometimes it's not a lot of weight. And so when they finally get the right education about food, everything clicks into place for them and they're able to hit their weight loss goals and everything is, is hunky dory. But when you're someone that is, 
lived decades using food as the only coping mechanism in your life, as the only escape you had from your problems in your life, and you take that away, there's so much more you need to dig, dig into and deal with. And I mean, I, we're, we're recording this during May, which is Mental Health Awareness Month. And I think it's really important sometimes to realize that sometimes you can deal with that on your own. And sometimes you need the help of a, a professional to help you unpack what all of that really means so that you don't find yourself overwhelmed by it again. And don't be afraid to go to that place. though. don't be afraid to really get deep into what is motivating you. Like, what is the fear behind everything you're doing? Like for me, my why is so firmly rooted in the fact that for years I didn't care if I lived or I died. And now I want to live and I want to fight to live. And it, as my why evolves, it still involves the life that I want to live. And I just think it's, it's so important that people can make that connection for themselves, especially if it's something they've never really pondered before. So, so if you were to define your why now, like in a, like an elevator pitch style, what would it be? I, I knew as soon as I started saying that, I knew you were going to ask me that question. <laughs> <laughs> so I knew that was coming. I, I think my, my why now is to thrive in a healthy life that allows me to do all the things that I want to do without restriction, allows me to physically move my body without restriction, allows me to have the relationships I want to have with people without the restriction that my weight put into place before. So for me, my why started out as I want to live. And now I really would succinctly say that my I want to thrive. I don't just want to survive anymore. Like that's what it was about for me when I really started my weight loss journey. It was about surviving. It was about not dying. And now that I don't face that specter of death every day, I want to feel when I go to bed at the end of every day that I lived the best day that I could, that I thrived on that day. You know, I made all the choices I needed to make to get to another day. But I also did things that I feel have an impact in my life on the people that I care about and the people that I want to see get to that same place themselves. So it's like IVE is still there in the word, but it's more gone from live and survive to thrive every day. Yeah. And I think it's it's so important to have a uh, an aspect of that why that that is bigger than just you. And I mean, just looking at who you are and the content you put out and the, the way you carry yourself, it's very obvious that you want to help empower others that are going through something similar to what you've gone through and help build them up and give them the confidence that, you know, if you can do it, they can do it. But having an, a why that is bigger than yourself is is so huge. I mean, I don't think I don't think I would be anything if it wasn't for the people that have helped me get to where I am in this community. And I feel like the only reason they're willing to do that in the first place is because they recognize that I'm trying to add more value to their lives. And I think anybody can say that same thing about you. But having that bigger picture mentality is so, so key, at least in, in my mind. Uh, I, I definitely agree with you, man. And, and I think and I hope that that is what comes through and what I what I put out there to people through it everything, does. you know, does. every every platform. Like I want people not just because I feel like there, there's bumper sticker ways to say some things, you know, you can do it. You got this. You got mm -hmm. this, man. Like that's that's a comment. And the funny thing is like. That, I think that comes off as plastic now, even though it wasn't intended that way. And even most times when people say it, they're not intending it that way. But what does you got this mean? Like I caught something or like, what is that? <laughs> what does that actually mean at the end of the day? Like, but I, I think it's just this idea. I, I want to show people that it's okay to have, have fallen. It's okay to struggle. It's okay. Cause I'm by no means. Am I, am I a young man? You know, I'm 47 years old. 
And, you know, I, I, a lot of the guys that I interact with and I talk to on a daily basis who are the biggest supports in my lives, my, my lives, my life are in their twenties. And, you know, they come with the same questions that I'm asking myself. And I'm like, you know, you know, wherever we are in time, that's not what really matters. What it matters is like seeing the possibility for what we still have in front of us. And I just want people to be able to look at themselves where they are today and realize that that doesn't define their tomorrow, that your tomorrow can change and time's going to pass anyway. You know, I, I, I had someone, you know, uh, every so often, you know, you have a post on Instagram that blows up and it gets in front of a lot of accounts that have nothing to do with, you know, weight loss or fitness or anything. But for some reason, you know, Instagram has decided that's the day that my before and after picture showing a lot of skin is going to get in front of, you know, 80,000 people. So I, I get these really weird DMs from people that have no idea what my journey is or where I'm coming from. And, and, you know, and they make comments and, and say things, you know, where they're like, it, it took you three years to do that. Like, why did it take you so long? And th- then there are mo- like when someone says that, you know, for a second, I go inside my head and I'm like, yeah, why did it take me so long? And then I realized that three years would have passed anyway, you know, whether mm-hmm. I had changed anything or not. Three. I, this is where I still would be, you know, in, in 2020, regardless of the choices that I made. But then I look at all the differences, you know, and the different the changes and the people that I've been able to connect with and the people I've been able to you know, say that, like, because they saw something that I shared, they felt like they could do it, too. And, you know, just being able to share that energy, like, is just such a big part. And, like, it's, it's almost funny because, like, when people reach the quote unquote end of their weight loss journey, I, I think there's there's two different directions. A lot of times people go in, like, sometimes you you become that person who wants to be the cheerleader to make sure that everyone else, you know, is coming along with you. And then there are people that need to take care of themselves and don't want to step into that role. Because there are other priorities in their life that they, they couldn't make priorities before that they now can focus on, whether that's career or their immediate family and things along those lines, which are just as important, but they don't see, they don't get the same value out of, out of the sharing and the support, you know, that someone like myself does. So when someone asks that question, like, so what happens if Instagram goes away tomorrow? And they're like, well, my life would go on. And, you know, my answer is my life would go on, but... I would be worrying about all of these people that I'm connected to now and worrying about where they are and how they're doing and are they still surviving and are they still thriving? And there's parts of me where there are times where I'm like, you know, you need to be okay if that happens, which I understand. But then there's a part of me that's like this web of interconnectedness that, that has been built because of this journey I went on. Like it's, you know, our, our mutual friend, Aaron AD Keto on Instagram, you know, he often makes the joke of all these changes that happened in his life because he gave up bread. And I really just think about all of these amazing connections and support I've been able to give to people all because I was 540 pounds. Like if I hadn't gone through that and I hadn't lost that weight the first time and regained it all and lost it again, I wouldn't be where I am right now with the knowledge I have right now to be able to offer that support to other people. So it's like you have to be okay with what comes before, but get excited about what's still to come. Totally, man. You have to be able to adapt to your future self. And, and not, you know, continue to reach back into the past as mm-hmm. what defines you. Like I look at, you know, you and your journey and I don't, I don't see you being just the weight you've lost. Like that is not what you are identified as. I mean, that's what a lot of people know you for, but that's not your identity. And I, I was actually, I was talking to Crystal right before we, we started recording and I had her take a marker and go to a whiteboard and I had myself take a marker and go to a whiteboard and I had us just write down how we view ourselves, like what our perception of ourselves are and what we think other people view us like. And 
like bodybuilder was i think like towards the very bottom of that list for me like that's mm. not what automatically came to mind just as you know weight loss is probably not what automatically comes to your mind when you're thinking of who you identify as a person and being more than that one thing and then having the the courage to go beyond just that one thing like so many people have this breakout moment for you know something like weight loss like losing 400 pounds or whatever and they just keep going back to that they keep reaching back towards that past and just leveraging that and and that's that's for a little while like you need to be reflective you need to celebrate the wins but you can't constantly be reaching behind you got to go forward for sure i definitely agree with that what about this whole covid thing the whole virus man like i feel i honestly haven't talked about it much on the podcast i haven't really talked about it much on any of my social platforms to be honest um but i feel like just just this underlying vibe that i get that it's forced us as a keto community for one but as like a human society for other to kind of be inwardly reflective more so than we've had to be for the past several years. And I feel like a lot more people are asking themselves these hard questions like, what is my why? And I think it's because there's not near as many distractions. At least it seems like there's not as many distractions because you're, you're kind of more in isolation that you have the time and the, and the ability to ask yourself these questions. But what do you think, is going on from like a like a keto community perspective like do you feel like we're going to come out of this with just this newfound sense of purpose or do you feel like it's going to be a lag effect that is going to take us a while to get our feet underneath us again or what's your opinion well it's funny like honestly i i was initially worried that this this covid crisis was going to in a lot of ways destroy the online keto community Mm -hmm. because i i think Initially, when this started happening, this is a crisis, you know, whether people how people feel about the impact of the virus and all those things like the political side of it, take that out of it. This was a crisis change situation that we were all thrust into where our normal was taken away. You know, the thing our routines were taken away for a lot of us like myself, you know, our jobs were taken away like life, you know, was irrevocably changed in a matter of days for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And I think that generates a lot of anxiety and fear. And for a lot of people, what that led to was then projecting that out onto other people and lashing out at people and a lot of just like enmity and negativity. And it was almost like becoming this storm that was raging across a lot of platforms and pages and people just automatically going. Cause like, I, I think about like the beauty of the, of the ketogenic community, like in terms of like this online space and like the sheer love and support I felt from people and, when I see, like, when I think about KetoCon last year and people meeting in person for the first time and immediately feeling like old friends because you have been connected. And it was almost like for a lot of people, that sense that we had that we're all good people first and we have our challenges second immediately turned into, I don't trust anyone. I fear everyone's motives. I fear everyone's choices. I don't believe in anyone anymore. And so I'm just going to lash out. And mm-hmm. like, there was just this, you know, and I know it was because it was a reaction to the unknown. And I felt like there was just like this storm that brewed for, you know, a week or two that was just like rolling, boiling negativity that scared me, honestly, like scared me a lot. Like I I, I looked to, you know, a lot of the people that I respect a lot in the community. It's almost like you're waiting to see how are people doing and how are people feeling and is everyone okay? And like that empathetic side of me, you know, that side of me that worries about everyone started worrying about everyone online like to the point that I, I felt like I had to close my phone a lot because 
I just didn't, I couldn't handle kind of the overwhelming wave of emotion that was coming out of people. And I think what people eventually realized was they, they had to kind of go back to that place of realizing, wait a minute, I know I'm not coming from a dark place. Is everyone coming from, you know, maybe I, I have to start giving people benefit of the doubt again and trusting people a little bit and realizing what this chaos has done to me and what it's caused and had that time to reflect. Cause like you said, like, for a lot of us, we have a lot more time with ourselves than we had before, you know, whether that's not going into the office or working from home or not working at all anymore and not being able to go to the gym five or six days a week and not being able to go to the places where you, the coffee shop that you hang out at or the restaurant that you go to eat dinner at three times a week, any of those things. All of that was removed and it was replaced with a lot of time where either you were face to face just with yourself or with your immediate family. And so you had to start finding new ways to take care of yourself, like I, I think we realize, especially for a lot of people, like what all those different that different human interaction actually meant in terms of our mental health and having to find ways to cope and be strong and handle challenges. You had to build new pathways because you didn't have a choice not to. So like you said, I think that led to a lot of reflection for people. And I think you see people sharing, being willing to share a little bit more of what they're actually going through and not just be about. Am I posting because of a hashtag that happens this day, but really sharing how are things actually going for me where I'm at? And so someone else can hear how it's actually going and then someone else can hear that and build some connection. And so I start I feel like I've started to see like that almost healing come through it. Mm -hmm. And I think in the end, it'll, it'll make us a stronger community if people can remember what it was like when the rug was pulled out from under all of us and, you know, give each other that grace and give each other the chance to properly find the way to communicate, you know, what's going on for them and not just expect an answer, you know, because I want an answer right now. Like, I want to know how you're doing. I want to know exactly what your challenges are. Like, give someone the time they need to be able to figure out how to communicate that when they're not used to having to communicate that because they were living and treating things in a different sphere. Yeah, I certainly hope that is the outcome. Like, there's, it could definitely go one of two ways. Like, I, I, trust and hope in the betterment of humankind that may be right or wrong but i think that if people you know actually take the time to recognize that hey look this is this is an opportunity for us to dig deeper into ourselves and figure out what we stand for in the first place and then when do when things do start to open back up we can interact more face to face you know take that newfound knowledge of who we are on a deeper level and then use it for good like that that's the end goal that's what i want to see happen um it's just going to be interesting to see things unfold because it's it's funny, man. Like even on a super superficial level, it's like we've we've been at, like this has been going on long enough that it's become a new norm, and like it's like people don't even know how to interact face to face anymore. Like people are wearing these masks everywhere, and because they're wearing a mask, they don't have to smile. So like, are people going to remember to smile when they're no longer wearing a mask and, right. and interact with somebody? It's 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 a strange phenomenon that we're in. But I'm hoping, you know, being overly optimistic here, that people do take this time to figure out and dig deep into themselves, and then take that knowledge and use it for good when interacting with others going forward. For sure, and and I think for me, the metaphor for it all is going to be when we can finally get back to a place of not hoarding toilet paper. <laughs> Well, it's funny, man. Like, <laughs> there's there's so many things like like gloves. We we do a every Wednesday. Brandon and I go through the inventory of the keto bricks and like the plans and purchasing and what we need to buy supply wise. And I've had the hardest time buying rubber gloves, man. Everybody still got gloves. All the keto bricks are handled with gloves. Don't worry. But getting <laughs> gloves has been a chore. 
Oh, and I mean, it's obviously half a joke because toilet paper is a big topic on people's minds. But I think about like when I when I really thought about it, like toilet paper, excuse me, is probably one of the most primal things we buy. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it's 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 one of the things that is literally the closest to our bodies, you know, than most other things that we purchase. And the fear of not having enough toilet paper meant that people were starting to hoard toilet paper that other people might really need and you don't need, but you're worried about what if you do need it? Like, what if, what if I do though? What if I do need it? So I have it, you know? And then, so for me, I think when people start to are able to relax enough again, to realize that the toilet paper is going to be there. And if you need more toilet paper, you're going to be able to get some that will start to realize that like the unclenching of the jaw is really happening. And I, I was amazed. I walked, I was in a grocery store yesterday or the day before and I walked by the paper goods aisle and I saw paper towels and toilet paper. And it was almost like this. I didn't need any. I didn't buy any. But there was like this wave of relief that came over me because all I could think about was there are going to people that need that are going to be able to get it today without having to worry about if there's any left in the store. And I think if we can stay in that place of trying to think more about what everyone needs and not just, you know, what do I need immediately? Like that would be a, a great thing to see happen. Totally. Totally. There's there's this. um you know, you get you get people on one end of the spectrum that are just doom and gloom, like super negative, and they just are exhausting to be around. And you have people on the other side of the spectrum that are just like overly happy and cheerful, and overly mm-hmm. optimistic, and they're not really doing anything to fix the situation. They're just all sunshine and rainbows, and they're just kind of in the way. And mm-hmm. then I try and consciously fall somewhere in the middle of like, look, this is a hard thing. This is a pandemic. It has affected us all in in ways that we'll never fully understand. Let's embrace that, accept that as fact, and then learn from it and move forward. I mean, we we have gone through a lot of hard things in the past. Like this is definitely going to be one of the things that, you know, we tell our kids about. You know, this this was what was going on in 2020. You know, it's crazy, but we will get through this. And I feel like the sooner people accept that fact and realize that, hey, look, this is a thing, it's happening, but we'll make it through to see the other side, the the more calm and cool, cool, calm collectiveness will hopefully fall over us. For sure, man, for sure. Well, I'm hoping that this conference is open back up for too long, man, so I can see you face to face. I know, I know. Like, that's, I, I, I think that's, like, the biggest thing for me. Like, honestly, like, you know, as great as it is to, you know, once again, be able to see the people that I see in my everyday life, like losing those opportunities to connect with with people that you don't often have a chance to see is, is one of the my biggest regrets in all of this, obviously. Yeah, totally, totally agree. Um, but I, I know that you've got a lot of things in the pipeline and this this has been a really good opportunity for people to just dig deep and work and hustle. And I feel like you've been putting in a lot of work behind the scenes. So can I can you can you tease us a little bit as to what you've got coming? Sure. Uh, yeah, like I, I think for me, in a lot of ways, it's it's the next evolution of what I've been doing and, you know, and kind of what I've been trying to do with the platforms that I have been on, you know, still obviously trying to grow the audience for my own podcast for the Fat Guy Forum, um, getting, you know, there's no shortage of, of great guys to have on there to tell their stories and just trying to get them in front of more people has really been a big part of what I'm trying to do lately. But then kind of on the other side of things is um, I earlier in the spring started working with uh, Jonathan Shane. You know, I don't want to do the Keto Road voice. So I know you made (laughs) him do that um, on your recent discussion with him. I'm not going to do my Jonathan Shane impression for you live on the air. 
Uh, one, because I think he'd enjoy it too much, and two, it might be way too spot on for people. But <laughs> we we started working together um, on a group coaching program. We launched our group coaching program, and then the next day, the country fell to pieces and the world closed. So that was a lot of fun, um, you know, bringing people through this 12-week journey together that actually is ending this week. Um, and, you know, so that's been, like, for me, that was, like, my way of kind of getting my feet wet, you know, into this world of, of coaching and supporting people actively, you know, in a, in a more direct fashion than just sharing my story and sharing their stories. Like, so uh, working again with Donathan, but, you know, kind of on, on my own, uh, I will start uh, working as a one-on-one as a coach, you know, helping people with a ketogenic diet and mindset and goal setting and turning my experience of having lost 300 pounds twice into something that I see as a, as a supportive mechanism for people that have their own journeys ahead and, and see their goals as impossible and trying to help them work on action to get them to the place they want to get to. And obviously I, I feel passionately that, you know, for a lot of people, the, the ketogenic lifestyle is the way to do that. So that'll be a strong part, obviously of what I'm doing. So that's actually getting started. Um, who knows when, you know, this discussion is going to get out to people, but uh, that'll be that'll be going you know we're starting at the beginning of june so I, i'm just excited and it was something that's kind of always been in discussion mm-hmm. and i've been thinking about and you know i reached out to people like yourself and to you know a lot of other our other mutual friends who exist in this space and just to talk about their experience and kind of how they got started and we were putting the wheels in place and decided you know now you know let's let's move those wheels a little faster so we've been working on building some content and I'm going to be creating um, just some more focused content uh, as well under that true nutrition banner, you know, of trying to get people the support and resources that they need. And we're going to keep the group coaching going. We had a great experience with the first round and we want to be able to offer that to people again. So it'll be happening on a lot of different levels. And I'm just excited to see where that goes and, and where that experience, you know, allows me to take the next kind of leg of my journey and what I've learned. And, you know, I, I've got a, a professional history working in, you know, counseling and leadership development and just feel like that idea of helping people get into that place of working on, you know, their mindset and how their goals are going to impact where they want to get and building realistic ones and action to get them there is just something I'm really excited about starting to work with people on. That's awesome, man. I mean, I'm, I'm incredibly excited for you. I mean, keto coaches are like a dime a dozen right now. It's kind of like the, the cool thing to do. But I always appreciate seeing coaches that are in it for the right reasons with the right history, the right background and the right motivation. I look at what you're doing, what you've done, and where you're going with it, and I know it's all coming from a good place, and you're going to offer, like, you're going to be able to offer a very unique perspective uh, to a certain group of clientele, and you're going to be able to offer that so much better than any other coach I know, Um, so I'm incredibly excited for the the clientele you'll have eventually, because they're going to benefit immensely from knowing you. Well, I appreciate that, and and I think it is, I I think on some level, you know, I don't want to just blow you know, smoke up my own butt, but like, I think there's something, you know, knowing the, the master of deception I was with myself, you know, and the, the lies I told to get myself to believe them. Like, I I feel like that's going to bring a very unique perspective to this, the coaching experience, like being able to help people work through the, the stories they're telling themselves that help them get to where they were and, and help them get to like finding that truth inside of themselves. Like I just, you know, and whether that's one person or a hundred people, you know, eventually like i i just want it to be something that you know allows me to find a way to directly impact someone's ability to see the possibilities that are in their life and to realize that you know if they're willing to do the work and they're willing to actually make 
lasting change, sustainable change in their lives. They could see some amazing, really some truly amazing things happen that they, they don't, they didn't think were possible. Like I, I look at, you know, when I, three years ago, when, when I was starting this, this leg of my weight loss journey, my first physical activity was I would go to the front steps of the apartment building I still live in right now. And I would walk to a telephone pole and I would walk back and that would take me five minutes. And then I would sit on the stairs and catch my breath for 20 minutes and then walk back upstairs into my apartment and catch my breath again. And yesterday I, I did a walk that was over five miles and I didn't realize it was that long. And I did it continuously without stopping, without resting. And I, I sat there when I was done and I realized that that's just something I never thought I would be able to do. Like, in, to some people, you know, who run marathons or run 10 miles a day, that seems like nothing. But to me, it was like this moment of, wow, like, who would have thought, you know, Gourmet three years ago would have thought that that would have, was possible. So now I wonder what's going to happen in the next three years. And like, I think channeling that energy and helping people realize that they can make some real exciting change if they just are willing to kind of put the, the work into action. I love it, man. I've got a feeling we're going to be seeing a lot more of the thriving gourmet instead of just the surviving gourmet. I hope so, man. I mean, that is that that feels like the the purpose I've got going on in my life. So I'm I'm just really excited for it. Well, from what I can tell, you're doing it right, man. So keep doing what you're doing. Where can, where can you, people uh, go to find out more about you before before that launches? I guess you said it's going out in June, right? Live in June, beginning of June. Yeah, June first, June first, and that'll be truenutrition.com for that. Um, actually we'll be at the keto road.com the keto road.com and then your platform is the fat guy forum is the podcast that, right the, the fat guy forum is my podcast and my Instagram is gourmet underscore goes underscore keto I've started dipping my feet into Twitter at gourmet goes keto with no <laughs> underscores How's wow that working for I, you? I was I was on Twitter years ago and I think it was more when I was writing for a, a pop culture website, you know, and so I was writing about movies and TV and more in that sphere. And now it's Twitter's a fun place, you know, and I, I say fun with a little bit of sarcasm because you never know what's going to happen. Like you never know what, you know, I, I know when I put, no matter what I post, I'm going to get a lot of support and I'm also going to get a lot of random attacks by people. You know, I, there's the people that love to attack, you know, obviously I don't want to, I don't want to name specific names or anything, but there are some people in the in a community where they they're completely plant plant based and they like to go on the attack when they see someone talk about keto, and then if I dare mention that not only am I ketogenic but I also sometimes count my calories, that riles up a whole nother community and a whole nother set of people, and so it's a lot of fun sometimes looking at the comments that you get and the responses you get on Twitter because for some reason I feel like on Instagram because we often put pictures of our faces out there. We're, we're more likely to remember that there's a human being that you're communicating with. Whereas on Twitter, you don't even have to see someone's avatar to, to get a comment from them. I think that, that cuts it off a little bit. So that's a good point. I, I don't know. Think about it like that. Like, like I think there's a little bit of more. And I think because you have to kind of get to the point a little bit faster too with, with just where, you know, with just a certain number of characters you can use. So people, people cut right to the snipes sometimes, but there's also a lot of amazing people on there that I've, I've connected with who have never been on Instagram and had no idea who I was. And, you know, now I've connected with them through another platform. So I think, you know, what will the next frontier be? Um, some of our mutual friends want me to explore the world of TikTok. I'm 47 years old. <laughs> so I, I feel like there should be an age limit to it. But I mean, who knows? You never know what's going to happen, man. Well, I think TikTok, the thing is, you just got to be able to dance and like, twerk whatever yeah it's called, right so you go on tiktok and you start 
twerking it, man. You should be good. Yeah, I feel like that's the day the internet crap. That's the day that <laughs> the person sitting the, the person sitting at the button that would kill the internet would be like, and we're done. Yeah, this is over. It was a good run. It was a good run while it lasted. We did the best we could. Back to the Stone Age, we all go. Shoot, and man, it, that's it when it goes viral. What are you talking about? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. We'll see, man. We'll see. I love it. I love it. Well, go on and listen, man. It's always, always a pleasure talking with you. I've got nothing but respect for you. I can't wait to see you in person. And um, keep in touch, man. If there's anything I can do to help with anything, just let me know. Definitely, man. Well, just keep making peanut butter keto bricks. Just keep those, keep those coming. Well, I don't want to tease too much, but we have got something else on the horizon that will be coming out sooner rather than later. And a lot of people have been asking for this one for a long time. Since the beginning, since the dawn of Keto Bricks, people have been asking for this. So I'm excited to see the outcome. Is it is it the long-requested ham and cheese Keto Brick? Yeah, ham and cheese. That's what it is. Ham and cheese? That's what I... And we use pepper jack, so it's spicy ham and cheese. Yeah, someone was asking me the other day. They're like, "Oh, did you see? Did you see Robert's email where he mentioned there's something new coming? Like, do you have an idea what it is?" I go, "I think it's finally the ham and cheese bar that they've long been talking about. You know, yeah. it's got, it's got flecks of salty ham and a nice cheesy complexion. You know, it's it's Tell that'll be what, a winner, man. man. If, you, if you can if you can make that TikTok count and eat the ham and cheese brick while you're twerking, oh. that's going to be a really good thing for the launch." Yeah, I'm getting nauseous now, Robert. I, I, don't, <laughs> I, I don't think that, I don't I, I don't think you want that kind of help. I, I, I think you're doing fine on your own, and I don't think you need you you don't need me ruining your business for you. What, what's what's interesting is that we're still recording. I wonder how many people have stayed on listening to this. <laughs> oh, you know, well they're well they're they're staying on because they're hoping you're going to let something go. They're, you're going to let a secret free. So no know. secrets, no secrets, except for the go. fact, which is not really a secret, but my just overwhelming appreciation for you as a friend. So keep killing it, man. Well, thanks so much, man. I really appreciate the chance to talk to you again. And it's always good to hear your voice. So this was awesome. Likewise, man. Keep keep smiling, brother. Will do. Will do. Take care.